This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your spirit to teach us your word, Lord. We thank you for your promise that, Lord, you said you would pour out your spirit to us and make known your words to us. And that we ask you for now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, now, the scene here, as we were covering last week, is very dramatic. First, we have the drama of Peter making the clearest, simplest declaration of exactly who Jesus is. He did that in verse 16. That's where we were when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? What's your declaration? And in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. At long last, it's come out. It's come out. It's in the open now. The message that had to be stated of who Jesus was was a message that was just, that had to come out. Very similar to what happened in Luke 19.37. Luke 19.37, when it says when he was come down from the descent, he was going down from the Mount of Olives, and a whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice, it says, praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And then it happened, what happened in verse 39 of Luke 19, Luke 19.39, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. 
And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. I mean, the Lord said that message of, of who he was, in this case it was a king, if that didn't come out, he said, stones would cry out immediately. And so here now, in verse 16, there was a stone that cried out. That stone happened to have the name of stone, Petra, Peter, and he cries out, and he says, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who was sent from heaven to earth to rescue man. Jesus is God, the second person in the God. He is fully God, and that was a great drama. Then the next drama happened is that after this clear proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God, the Lord again, then at that point, tells that, okay, I am God, I am the Messiah, I've come here, now I'm going to tell you my mission, my mission of why I've come. And it's all about suffering, as the prophet Daniel said in Daniel 9.26. Daniel 9.26 is, Daniel said, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And this is the message that he gave, but it wasn't accepted by Peter. Peter said in verse 22, Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And then the next drama comes. The next drama is now Peter standing in his way. First he's welping him to come, and then he withstands him. He blocks his way to the cross to suffer for our sins. Then the next drama comes where Jesus turns to Peter and talks to Satan. He says in verse 23, He turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, things that be of men. So at this point, we can imagine that the heads of the disciples are spinning. They're ready for the paramedics to come and revive them. Me because it's just, what just happened? It all just started off like a little, a casual, oh, by the way, conversation. They just happened to be walking. And the conversation was, who do other people think that I am? And the conversation turned to a, a challenging conversation where the topic changed of, well, who do you say that I am? And then the wonderful birth of this great statement that Christ was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah, I should say. Jesus was the Messiah and God. And then Peter's confronting his way. And then last, the Lord is saying, speaking now from Peter. And now the disciples are just reeling with what just happened. They need an explanation. Something has to be explained. And so this is his explanation now in verse 24. Verse 24, Then Jesus said unto, unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The Lord says, there's a choice in here. It's very much a choice. He starts off with the word if. He doesn't start off with the word when, when any person comes after me. He says, if, in other words, he was saying, there's a choice, completely up to you, whether or not you're going to make this decision or not. He said, but if you're going to make the decision to come after me, think about it. You say, think about it. Don't just come to Christ because it's the thing to do, because it's not about pleasing yourself, and it's not about being popular. It's about the opposite denying yourself and becoming unpopular. And the Lord described coming to Christ. He said in verse 24, if any man will come after me, that is the implication there that Christ is passing through. Follow him. He's passing through. And this is what this is how the gospels are portraying him as he spends his ministry in Mark 138, Mark 138. He said unto them, let us go unto the next towns that I may preach there also. In Luke 8.22, now it came to pass on a certain day, he went into a ship with his disciples. He said unto them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. 
And they went there. And John eleven seven, John eleven seven. Then after he saith to his disciples, "Let's go into Judea again." So he's going from city to city. He didn't spend a lot of time in one city. He's passing through, and as he passes through, it's an opportunity. The people can hear, and the people can decide. We're going to come after him. We're going to follow him, and that's the way it is in life. God visits a person. It's an opportunity for him to respond, just like the Vanny Crosby's hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. So the Lord now explains that the issue about Peter, he's just withstood the Lord, said that's going to be far from you, be it far from you, verse 22. And so the Lord is giving an explanation now of why this, why all of this happened. Because it was really not that Peter was reacting about what would happen to the Lord, when Peter was thinking about himself. So when Peter said in verse 22, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee, really, he's thinking, I'm following you, and if you're going to suffer and be killed, then that's what's going to happen to me as a follower. And so Peter's really saying in verse 22, be it far from me, this shall not be unto me, when he said, this isn't going to be to you. He's thinking about himself, not thinking about the Lord. And he just used this guise of telling that this shouldn't happen to him, really meant it isn't, I don't want this to happen to me. Now, we have a little more information about what took place here in Mark's description in the book of Mark. In Mark 8.34, it says, Mark 8.34, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what we see there is that the Lord and the disciples, they weren't exactly alone. The disciples were not exactly alone with the Lord, but evidently there were other people there. And so when this happened, the Lord took the opportunity to call the other people in close. As a matter of fact, he called the other people in because what he wanted to say about denying himself and taking up the cross and following him, he wanted everybody to hear this. And Luke adds one more detail. Luke adds one more detail in Luke 9.22. Luke 9.22, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and raised the third day. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So what we learn there is he's talking about a rejection not just suffering, but a rejection. And he's talking about a practice of taking up the cross that has to be done every single day because there's going to be a pull. There's going to be a pull of the flesh to not do that, just like Peter. And it's going to be a daily renewal that has to be done. So this pull of the self is what the Lord is addressing when he says in verse 24, let him deny himself. This just means that the pull of the flesh, the self, is speaking constantly, as it does with us, and the self is constantly asserting its own interests. And the interests are feed me, comfort me, entertain me, make me happy. That's self. And Christ is also speaking constantly, and Christ is also asserting his own interest, and his own interests are not those. His interests are serve me, represent me, speak for me, save for me, call others for me. See, 
So one of those two voices has to be denied and it has to be done daily. It's either going to be the self that is denied the feed me, comfort me, entertain me, make me happy, or it's going to be Christ that's going to be denied the serve me, represent me, speak for me, save for me, call others for me. That's why the Lord says in verse 24, he's helping this whole process. He says, let him deny himself. Deny him, choose me. Now the Lord says that followers had to take up his cross and follow me. And I was thinking about how can we understand what that means, take up the cross? Obviously, it's not a literal cross. So what does that mean? And the thought came to me of what it was like for a Jew in Nazi Germany to wear the yellow star, the yellow star of David. And what did it mean for those Jews who had to wear that yellow star of David in Nazi Germany? What message was broadcasted from that star that they wore? First of all, it was not a small star. It wasn't a tiny little pennant. Or that's something that you maybe put under your lapel. That yellow star in Germany was not a small star. That yellow star was not exactly, like in my case, a navy blue star that kind of like blended in with the clothes. It was very bright, meant to be. So it was large, it was obvious, and it was worn outwardly for everyone to see. And basically, that star identified an individual as part of a group. In the case of Germany, a condemned group, the group of Jews. Now, you might have, maybe if there was someone walking on the street and they had this yellow star on, and you'd maybe the star was on this side, and you kind of caught the eye of the person from that side, you might say, oh, as a friendly look, oh, I know you, how are you, you know that. But as soon as that star came into view, it was like, oh, no. Oh, I didn't know. That star changes everything for me, as far as I'm, you and I are concerned. It's, yeah. The star was kind of like a, sort of like a leper, like leprosy. In the case of scriptures where the leper had to cry out, unclean, unclean, had to announce himself all the time as unclean, unclean. The star, the star basically was an announcement. I'm hated by society. Society doesn't want me. Society rejects me. Society, I'm condemned to die. Just like Jesus was rejected by the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. The star basically said, I am rejected by the society. I'm only tolerated to live for whatever reason, for a temporary period of time. So the star communicated something very similar to what a cross communicated. Because part of the sentence of the condemned of the Romans' condemnation was that the person who was had to carry his cross, little cross, through the streets of the city very prominently to the place of execution. It wasn't just, you know, well, just, you know, cart him up there and then kill him. He had to carry this cross through the streets. And in a sense, the cross in Rome was the same as the star in Nazi Germany. So just as when a Jew wore that star in Germany, it was blazingly obvious for everyone to see that it was condemned, he was going to die. And so taking up the cross was blazingly open for everyone to see he was condemned, he was going to die. And just as if a person, like I said, of a condemned person, when they saw the star and they said, oh, no, you know, you're a part of what this world thinks should be destroyed, 
So taking up the cross is a statement of, oh, oh, no, oh, no, no. You're considered refuse of the world, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.13. 1 Corinthians 4.13, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. So when a Jew wore the star in Nazi Germany, he was identified as a person who was condemned to die. So when Christ carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem and actually fainted under the weight of it because he lost, he had lost so much blood and the scourging already, he was so weak from dehydration. But in any case, as he carried that or someone carried it for him, he was identified as a person who was condemned to die. And that's why the Job the Romans made a person carry the cross through the streets there because during that whole process of carrying the cross through the streets, a person was stripped of all dignity. A person was stripped of all respect from other people. A person was made vile in the eyes of others. The person was made essentially worthless. And the Nazis forced the Jews to wear the star for the same reason, the yellow star. So that as they, as he went through the streets, as a person went through the streets of Jerusalem, that process took place. Rejected, rejected. And as a person wore the, the star in Nazi Germany, that process took place. Oh, you, rejected. So what Christ is talking about here is similar to the star, but the difference is a person should take his cross. Well, when a person was condemned to die on the cross by the Romans, he was forced to take his cross. There was no choice on his part. He was forced to. When a Jew was identified as a Jew in Nazi Germany, he didn't have a choice of whether or not to wear the star. He was forced to. But what Christ is talking here is that not being forced to take up the cross and follow him. It's a choice that a person makes. I mean, just imagine if a person who was not a Jew in Germany and he was watching all those Jews be abused and mistreated by the Nazis and that this non-Jewish person decides to take up a yellow star and put it on him to be with the Jews. That would never happen, you might think. It did. There was a person who did that, and this person looked at how the Jews were being treated, thought about it, and decided it was worth the cost to be with the Jews. So he took up a cross, took up a star, and wore it. And this is what the Lord Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16, 24. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So taking up that yellow star and wearing it actually happened, but it was a Jew who did it. It was in the life of Rose Warmer, who in fact was Jewish, but she was successfully hiding in the attic of a house in Nazi Germany. She was safe up there in that attic, and she was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she was watching through a vent hole uh, down below in the street all of her, all of her fellow Jews being marched off to concentration camps, and God spoke to Rose up there in that attic. And she thought to herself how she was saved by Christ, and if she was killed, that didn't matter because she was going to heaven, but her fellow Jews were not saved, and if they were killed by the Nazis, they were not going to heaven, and she had the message of Christ that could save them. She had the message of what they needed. It was not good for her to stay up there insulated, isolated, and protected, and watch your fellow Jews be killed and land in hell. So she left that attic, and she went into the streets and joined her fellow Jews and star and all, and she was sent to Auschwitz, and miraculously, God kept her alive in Auschwitz, and she was liberated from Auschwitz, and she went, later went to live in Israel. Anyway, uh, so just like the Lord said in Matthew 16, 24, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
Now, in order to help people to make the right decision, the Lord went a little bit farther. In verse 25, verse 25 says, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. He says, Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. That means whoever puts a higher priority on his temporary life of comfort and security, when God calls him to give up, On the other hand, whoever is willing to respond to the call of Christ and loses temporary life or comfort and security will find eternal life or be saved. And that's what he says. In fact, Mark adds in Mark 8.35, Mark 8.35, who save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So what he's talking about is sacrificing in order to bring the gospel to others, which is what Rose Warmer did. And by the way, her life was saved. She thought she was losing her life. In Auschwitz, her life was saved. So it's all about putting the will of Christ as a higher priority over a person's own comfort and security. Very similar to Mark 8.21, Mark 8.21, where it says, Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, on the surface, that seems very harsh. That seems very harsh for the Lord to say that to a son whose father has just died, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. That it can be better understood when seen from the perspective of how how we actually use the term being dead to something. Dead as meaning showing no interest in and not willing to be influenced by. Not no interest in and not willing to be influenced by. The lost have no interest in Christ, and the lost are not willing to be influenced by Christ. Just as it says that uh, about sin with us, we have no interest in sin, and we don't want to be influenced by sin, which is what Romans 6.11 says, Romans 6.11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have no interest in sin, We don't want to be influenced by sin, but we do have an interest in Christ and we want to be influenced by Christ. So the Romans 6.11 talks about being dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Now, in the same way, the dead referred to, as he said, let the dead bury their dead. The dead referred to there are those who have no interest in Christ and have no interest in being influenced by Christ. And that's to be dead to. They don't have an interest in Christ. So he said, you should leave to those who have no interest in, in me, in Christ, and who do not want to be influenced, but leave them and follow me. That's what he's saying. And that's what we find in life. We can't understand. We get so excited about something, and we can't understand why our lost friends and relatives just are not excited about the same things we're excited about. They're not excited about God. They have no interest in Christ. We talk about Christ, they're so bored, and they want to change the subject to say anything something they could be interested in. But we're all excited, and we're all about, let me tell you what I read in the Bible today, or let me tell you what I heard in church on Sunday, and their interest needle pegs on zero. It can't get any lower. They're so bored. Why? The problem is no life. The problem is death. That's the problem. A body in the grave under the ground, there could be a parade going on on top of that body, overhead on the ground, and the body in the grave has no interest, and they're not influenced by it. So the lost, outside of Christ, 
They have no interest in Christ. And this is who the Lord is referring to when he says, let the dead bury the dead. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.